I'll say this again. I don't plan to be in front of you long. So, <laughs> you know, when I come up with these messages, I don't come up with a, a series. I don't intend on doing a series, but there's no way I'm going to get through all of this uh, today. But, uh, so, you know, everywhere Jesus went, he brought glory to who? The Father. You know, he didn't take glory for himself. He always gave glory to the Father. And guess what? That's what we should be doing. Right? So that's the title of the message, Bringing Glory to the Father. Right? So there are different ways that we can bring glory to the Father. Right? And we know that there's ways that we can't bring glory to the Father. Right? But that should be our lives, you know, our, our mission, our, our, our passion in life, to bring glory to the Father. Right? We, we see it with Jesus. We see it with Paul. You know, it, it's not to bring glory to ourselves. You know, yeah, we're, we're blessed with certain things in this world, you know, but we don't even give those things glory, right? Because guess what? Those things could be here one day and gone tomorrow, right? Yeah. There, you know, you've all heard me say this before. There's some people that didn't wake up today, right? And, and those that didn't wake up, there are hundreds, if not thousands, that didn't know the Lord. You know, and there, there are people that lost their houses to fires. Right? So all their possessions are gone. Right? By fire. But guess what? God is still there. God is still there. And even in the midst, and it's hard for us to comprehend in our natural minds, through the midst of trials, tribulations, disasters, that we can still glorify the Father in everything that we do. Right? People are not going to understand it. Right? Even other Christians are not going to understand it when something bad happens and we can say, Thank you, Lord. They're going to wonder why we're saying thank you, Lord. But we're giving glory to the Father, right? Regardless of that. So regardless of what people think, you know, we still to praise Him. Regardless of what we go through, we still to praise Him. Let, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Bringing glory to the Father. I was going to start at verse 20, but we're going to start at verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Alright, I'll begin reading. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's Paul. He's showing humility. He's bowing his knees to the Father. We should bow our knees to the Father. Right? We should bow our will to the Father. Verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So guess what? We notice we're one body, right? We're one family. No matter where we are in this world, on this planet, as born-again believers, we're family. We're, we're, that's the one thing we all have in common is God being our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that there's no way we can get to the Father but through Jesus. Amen. That's right. Right? So... But everything we do, we glorify God. So even as Paul was writing here, the whole family, the Jew and the Gentiles, right? And even the Samaritans, who the Jews looked down upon, right? They could be grafted into the family, right? So now you had the Samaritans and you had the Jews who didn't get along becoming one, right? And that's what it should be. And we don't see that even amongst churches today. We're divided, and we're going to get on that in a little bit here. Verse 16, that he will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with, his, with might through his spirit in the inner man. The inner man, right? We, 
strengthen our physical bodies a lot of times. We go running, we go walking, right? We do sit-ups, we lift weights, and we're some physically fit people sometimes. <laughs> right, some of us. <laughs> I'm not as physically fit as I used to be. <laughs> but my inner man is. Yes. My inner man is. Yeah. And see, we, we spend a lot of time uh, developing this, this fleshly body, trying to remain young, right? But the inner man, that's what we should be building up. The inner man, right? So, uh, Y'all can stay there. I'm going to turn to, uh, I'm going to read uh, 1 Timothy 4 and 8. But I'm going to read it from the Amplify. So, uh, 1 Timothy 4 and 8 from the Amplify says this, For physical training is of some value, but godliness, spiritual training, is of value in everything and in every way, since it holds, the, since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. So, spiritual exercise helps us, right? In every situation we can find ourselves in. Physical exercise does not help. You know, I've known people over the years that have been physically fit, healthy, and guess what? They die the next day and didn't know the Lord. They spend all that time eating healthy, uh, fixing up their bodies, and working out on a daily routine, but then they die the next day. See, our inner man lives forever. Mm. Right? That's what we should be building up. That's what we should be working on. Yes. That's right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's what I say. See, sometimes, you know, we see Christians, they look good on the outside, but they're weak on the inside. Mm -hmm. And see, these are the ones that tend to worry. And, and when trials and tribulations happen, they tend to cower down. All right, going back to Ephesians 3. All right, verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, we can't fully even comprehend the love of Christ. Amen. You know, we, we, we think we do because, yes, his love is shed abroad in our hearts, but we, we, we still can't comprehend how a loving God send his only begotten son to die for us. To, to, to be beaten, to be bruised, persecuted, for what? Who knew no sin? Just for each and every one of us in here. Amen. Right. That's God's love. Amen. Right. We, we still can't comprehend. Even the fact that we were out there in the world. Right? Even the fact that some of us may have even cursed God. He kept us. never comprehend it until we get into heaven. Amen. Amen. Alright, verse 20. Now to him, this is a very popular verse here, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, you know, I, I quoted this verse a lot. Now, this is my first time actually looking at it this way. Where Paul says in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we, we, think about this for a moment. Paul the Apostle saw so much. You could take all of us combined and we didn't see what Paul said. And he says here, he is able to do exceedingly above all that we 
He's including himself. Ask all things. Paul seeing people raised from the dead. Paul seeing people healed. Paul was stoned and left for dead, but got out. So there's nothing impossible for our God. Right? So regardless of, again, regardless of what situation we find ourselves in, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that. We can ask or think, but sometimes we don't ask. Right? Or sometimes, like was it James, that we ask amiss. Right? We don't ask in faith. We ask one minute, and then wherever the storms go, now we start to drift. Just drift, drift, until we get shipwrecked. But he's able to do a signaling above all that we can ask or think. Right? Again, it's nothing too hard. So, if there's somebody in need of a limb, he's able to do a signaling above all we can ask or think. Amen. So how dare we have Christians that say healing doesn't exist today? Amen. They are Christians that do say that. Because right? he's able to do a signaling above all that we ask or think. How dare we think that, as believers, that he still can't raise people from the dead? He is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think. That's right. Why should we worry about a, a bill not getting paid? He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And see, a few of us, we, we got testimonies, right? They always do. When is it coming? When is it coming, Lord? And then he supplies. Right on time. Because he's on time. See, uh, we're bound by time. He's not. That's right. And see, that's where we, we put pressure on ourselves and we allow anxiety to creep into us. And we have to understand God knows the end from the beginning. He's not bound by time. And see, we use time and we look at time and time is really our enemy. So, verse 21, you know, that's how we can bring glory to the Father, just by being in the church. So, each time somebody comes and gives their heart to the Lord, that gives glory to the Father. Mm -hmm. And just us being in the body of Christ gives glory to the Father. Mm -hmm. He smiles at that. He enjoys that. Mm -hmm. We can't take that for granted. Mm -hmm. But yet, sometimes we do. Right? But that's the way, that's one way that we can bring glory to the Father, is by being in the church. What's another way? Love. In uh, John 13, 35, it is. He says, what? This is how the world will know that you are my disciples. By our love for what? One another. Right? So matter again, no matter where we're at, if we come across another believer, we should show love. They should show love to us. Now let's be real. Some of us, we don't travel to different places. That love, it doesn't always reciprocate. Right? No. We've been in churches. Right? We go in there... <laughs> And we display love, and they don't display love back to us, right? And they're miserable sometimes, right? Unfortunately, it's a lot of times, right? But that's not scriptural, because how would people know that we're disciples? How do we know, how would people know in the world that we're brothers and sisters in Christ? If we're not loving one another, right? Through the ups, through the downs. We, we, we have to love one another. So if one hurts, we all hurt. Right? Just like I talked about a few weeks back. There's believers in Ukraine. We should be hurting about that. Right? There's Christians overseas being persecuted physically to death, tortured. Women and children being raped. We should hurt. We should hurt about that. That should bother us. We should be grieved by that. Why? Because 
our love for them. So even the fact that we have not even met them, our love should be that strong. So that's another way. What's another way? Unity. Unity. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Guess what? We're not bringing him glory. 
Verse 19. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Many members, yet one body. So we have arms. We have fingers. We have toes. We have legs. Right? But it's still one body. Right? So we have all of us here. Different gifts, different talents. It should be one body. And as we come together, now we're functioning. And now we bring glory to the Father. Verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Verse 24. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. So, everybody can see my hands. Everybody can see my arms, my legs, but you can't see my heart. You can't see my brain. Now, most people probably besides medical people. <laughs> if you see a live heart or a brain, you'd probably be a little shocked, right? Because it doesn't look pretty. I had, I guess I shouldn't say fortunately, but I guess, I don't know. I've seen a whole bunch of autopsies in my time, right? So I've seen the heart there. I've seen the brain. It's not like we walk around, God gave us a covering of the brain, right? Our head, our skull, right? So, but if we look at the brain and we look at the heart, People, most people be like, ugh. But they have no problem looking at our limbs. But guess what? We can't function without the brain. We can't function without the heart. Right. These are things that are covered up. These are things that are working behind the scene that are more important. Amen. Because guess what? Even someone without arms or legs, they can still live and function. But if they don't have no heart, they're not living. Yeah. Right? So, we have it mixed up in the church. See, everybody's striving to be in the limelight, to be that pastor, to be that apostle, to be that prophet. No, no, no. How about being an administrator? How about being somebody that watches the kids? How about being somebody that opens the doors? Because guess what? They're just as important. If not, they're more important. Or just being a Christian. Just being a Christian in the church is important. But somehow, over the years... We've been, we've been led to believe that it's almost, not led to believe, but sometimes we think it's less important doing those things, being a deacon. Oh, well, I'm not as important as the pastor. Oh, yes, you are, because you're more important, right? We're one body, because I can't do what I need to do without y'all doing what y'all need to do. Y'all can't do what y'all need to do without me doing what I need to do, right? That's how we function, being unified. That's how we bring glory to the Father. Verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body. That word schism means division. There should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer. So guess what? Even if we have a limp, guess what? The other parts of the body got to overcompensate. So they all function. Because if we have a limp, we got a pain in our foot. Now guess what? We can't run or cannot walk as fast as we normally can. 
So the rest of the part of the body is going to suffer too. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Amen. So, you know, we all, again, we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. No one's more important or less than important as the other, but we need each other to function. Right? Not just us here, but those in the churches out there as well. Because we can't fully be the body of Christ without coming together, like Paul wrote here to the church in Corinth. Right? And see, what we've done over the years is we've the church has become an organization instead of an organism. Amen. An organism is living. But see, we've become an organization. Now we wonder why we're not as effective today, as they were in the early church, mm -hmm. right? Because Jesus said what? I believe it was Matthew 18, 20. If two or three are gathered, they are him in the midst, mm -hmm. right? But now we have to have the big churches with thousands of people there, right? Instead of just going from house to house and being the church, being alive. Now I'm going to read some things here in reference to what's different between uh, organism and organization. And we'll see what was in the early church and what is today. Alright, so this is the organism in, in, in reference to the church. Connected relationally. An organic environment. The emphasis is on being. Reproduction by nature. Accepting of all in the family. Accepts all ages. Success measured by relationships, spiritual parental leadership, invisible virtues and attributes, love, trust, faithfulness, honesty, patience, those are all fruits. Spiritual engine, which is the Holy Spirit, that is being an organism. That is how the early church functioned in Acts. They were, they were an organism. They weren't an organization. But the church today is an organization. Why? Look at this. Church organization, business. Connected organizationally. A mechanical environment. The emphasis on doing. So, now, you have churches, especially a lot of outreach churches. Our churches in general, they focus on so much of the works. So, they're going to continue to do works, 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 in the effort thinking that they're pleasing the Father. No, no, no. That doesn't please the Father. Because guess what? We have to bear fruit first. Right? And, and yes, if we're in faith, then the works be evident that we're in faith. Alright? Reproduction by manufacturing. Keep doing the same thing over and over. Like machinery. Putting out, making something. Keep doing it over and over and over. There's no thought to it. Hey, we did it last year. Let's continue to do it this year. So again, you become mechanical. Accepting of those who produce. Oh, this person 
brings a lot of people to Christ. Hey, we're going to take him in. Or this person gives a big offer. So we're going to set them in the front. But this person just comes and sits. They don't produce, so I'm not going to give them a position to do. Because they don't do as much as this person. So they don't give as much as this person. Accept certain people, right? I didn't realize that was there. Accept certain people, right? That falls in that. Success measured by numbers and income. Administrative business leadership. So going back to success measured by numbers, again, how many people we can get inside the house of God? How big of a building can we build? Because that means success. But that's the world standard. That's not God's right. standard. Because Jesus already said two or three. Okay. But we don't function like that today. That's being an organism. But again, we function as an organization. Tangible assets and accomplishments. Staff, building, income, equipment. Celebrate those things. Hey, look at our new building. Let me take you on a tour. Create videos of those things. Right? Or even the ordination services. Let's elevate this person. Do these things. Why? Because it makes us look better as a church. That's an organization. That's, again, the world's way of doing things. Economic engine is tithes and offerings. Right? So, again, we're all one body. Right? And, and somehow, again, and I'm going to finish up here soon, uh, shortly, actually. But, you know, for some reason, we, we've done a disservice over the years where we're trying to fit everybody into one round hole. You can't fit the square peg in a round hole. That's right. So you can't fit somebody that's not called to be an evangelist in a hole that's for an evangelist. You can't fit somebody that's not called to be a pastor in the pastor hole. You can't fit the administrator. You you can't fit somebody into the administrative hole, right? That's not for everybody, right? But again, what we've done today is we try to turn people into evangelists. No, we call to be to we call to evangelism. But yet, for some reason, now we want to teach people for everybody to be evangelists. No, we can teach them to be to, to, to evangelize, but not everybody's called to be an evangelist. Right? I've been around some good evangelists, and let me tell you, nobody rejects them. Right? Not that they lead everybody to Christ, but they have everybody's attention, who they talk to. Right? No matter who they are, they can go anywhere. Right? And that, that's just how it is. Because that, that's not something we can duplicate. And see, organization tries to duplicate stuff. Organism, we're working together. We're being unified, right? So now there's a place for the evangelist, and there's a place for the Christian to go out and evangelize, right? But again, everybody's not called to be an evangelist. Everybody's not called to be a missionary, right? Some people can't go overseas. <laughs> Some people don't want it. I don't like mosquitoes. Right? <laughs> I've been places. Mosquitoes big. I don't like. I don't do mosquitoes. Uh. -uh. <laughs> I, my, I was a kid, my mom sent me to Jamaica. I hated it because of the mosquitoes. Even though they had the net around the bed, the bed uh -uh. I hate mosquitoes. I like, get me back to the United States. <laughs> Water was
was gorgeous though. The water was nice, but <laughs> I don't do mosquitoes. <laughs> but again, there should be no no schism, no division within us, right? Because if we allow division to come in us, we're not glorifying the Father. We will not be effective. We'll become stagnant, which is what the church has become mm. today. Yeah. That's what the church has become today, stagnant. Because everybody wants to do their own thing. Even when you have churches come together, whose name is going to be first? It should be Jesus that's first. That's right. right. doesn't matter yeah. what church it is. Jesus is first. Everybody else takes the back seat. Amen. Right. And, and here's the thing. Why you even got to have the church's name? Because guess what? We're the church. Amen. Why can't we just go and do? But we don't always do that. Right? So we got to get out of the habit of being divided. But we must stay unified. See, over there you see Satan is smart because he's infiltrated the church. He, he did it over the years, back in the early centuries. And going back to us loving one another, and I, I talked about this before, but the reason why the early church was so effective doesn't mean everybody came and joined the church because everybody did. But the reason why they were so effective living as an organism because people saw how they treated one another. Going back to Acts 4. Hey, this person has a lot. Sold their possessions to take care of this person. And guess what? Even though the fact that the enemy was persecuting them, they still showed love towards their enemy. That's what we must do. We must show love towards the enemy. That's what's going to win in Christ. Right? But if we're all trying to do our own thing, go here, go there. Now, guess what? Could you imagine if my right arm's going this way, my left arm, I'm going to do what? I'm going to split. Mm -hmm. I'm going to split in half. We don't, you know, there's one thing that will go into the body that is for itself. Every other part of the body works together. There's one thing, and it's only concerned about itself. And we call that cancer. And what do we do with cancer? We cut it out. Cut it out. We have to cut it out. So we have to be mindful that we're not a cancer to the body of Christ. And unfortunately, we have a lot of cancers in the body of Christ. Saying things, doing things, and they're a cancer. But eventually, if they don't repent and get their act together, God's going to cut them out. And we're going to get to that. <laughs> 